All right. Well, here we are again. Now, um, here's our second talk. I chose this uh, particular proverb because I think it highlights one of the big challenges in reading the book, and that is what do you do with half of them? Um, what are they meant to be about? So it's like you read this one and you go, okay, well, have a nice day, everybody. See you later. Uh, what does this have to do with anything? Uh, what is it even doing? What is it even doing in the Bible? So if I can put it this way, uh, what does a proverb about a slob have anything to do with the Son of God? And so what I want to do is now that we've looked at a whole sweep of a poem, uh, the next way you can engage with the book of Proverbs in a really helpful way as a Christian is to focus on individual Proverbs and um, just think about what each of them, uh, how God is actually uh, giving himself to us through each of them. So what is a proverb? And here, um, one thing I find really helpful is to remember that even though we have one word of God in the Bible, the Bible is made up of many different genres and actually God has chosen to communicate himself to us not just through like historical narrative or an epistle like a letter, but through these different genres like poems and all those sorts of things, genealogies and even single sentence proverbs. And so what that means is as his people, we want to actually think about the way that God has spoken to us in this genre. So what is a proverb? And why does God use this in his word to us? So basically, um, it's probably going to be pretty familiar to you, but I think it's worth actually just stepping through um, what a proverb is. Basically, a proverb is a comparison or an analogy. So it's a short saying. Uh, it's a short, memorable saying that's meant to evoke an area of life or experience and then create some sort of like resonance um, in, your, in your own life so that you benefit from it. And I actually think the simplicity of the Proverbs actually lets you pack in a lot of complexity and subtlety if you just give it time to brew. And so, for example, one of our Proverbs would be a stitch in time saves nine. And so, you know, literally your t-shirt gets a little rip in it. If you sew it up straight away, one quick stitch will fix it. If you don't, the rip gets massive and you need nine okay <laughs> heaps more effort i think but of course it's not just about sewing skills it's about life it's basically saying acting when a problem is small saves you from a far bigger hassle down the track if you do nothing so uh, let me give you some other examples your email inbox um, easy to clear when it's 10 or 20 messages takes a couple minutes leave it a few months or years and it should be coming up magically on the screen Come on, Tim Brown. Ah, <laughs> oh, brothers-in-law, I don't know, far out. <laughs> Letting the team down. Um, yep, leave it a few months or years and it gets to something like 10,675. Um, and uh, some of you were asking what I did for eight hours on the car trip up to Orange. Yeah, well, thankfully the inbox is down a little bit now. <laughs> but what about you know, a relationship that's getting difficult? If you do small things to smooth it over now, it could save the entire relationship before it's too late. And so it's actually not a bad approach in general to get onto things while they're manageable and easy to deal with thing, deal with, so they don't spit out of control. Stitch in time saves nine. So that's how a proverb works, and, and that kind of goes for the proverbs in the Bible as well, but with one massive difference. And that is, 
while our normal proverbs are about tuning you usually to earthly success, the biblical proverbs obviously want to run much deeper. And so they want to move us from thinking about what's going on in this earthly setting to then meditate deeply and passionately on what it means to tune our hearts to the character and plans of the God who created and saved, saves us. And this proverb is no exception. So let's get into it. And I've got three points from the proverb uh, in 1924. And it's all about the sluggard or sloth is the technical term for it. So we're going to go sloth is spiritual apathy. Sloth is deadly idolatry. Fight sloth by resting in the Lord. And then we're going to um, gaining wisdom from the sluggard as a conclusion. Okay, so uh, sloth is spiritual ap apathy. Sloth is deadly idolatry and fight sloth by resting in the Lord. So first, sloth is spiritual apathy. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish. He will not even bring it back to his mouth. So just close your eyes and imagine the scene. So what I see is, I don't know, someone uh, in their trackies, sitting on a couch, binge watching Netflix or something like that. And they reach down to grab some nachos that their mum made for them or something. <laughs> and then they couldn't even be bothered to exert the minimal effort to transport them the 40 centimetres or so back to their mouth. They just leave their hand in the bowl, you know, marinating in salsa, um, <laughs> just watching slack-jawed and vacant-eyed. Right? That, that's the image, isn't it? And so Proverbs then starts to work. It's magic on you. See, it, it's funny initially, and then it's, it's absurd, right? Who does this? And then you realize actually people do do this and you think that's actually a little bit wrong and there's something tragic to this picture and there's something angering to it as well. Like something bugs you about this. So I just want to kind of get in there and grab the guy by the shoulders, give him a bit of a shake and say, wake up, right? Pick up those dang chips, shove them in your mouth and get off the couch and do something. <laughs> um, the American pastor John Piper has written a wonderful book called Don't Waste Your Life. And in that book, he says, God created us to live with a single passion to joyfully display his supreme excellence in every sphere of life. And this resonates so well with what we saw last talk, that we are made to receive and then reflect and return God's love and faithfulness with our joy and energy. And that's why sloth, is such a major issue and dangerous sin and the sluggard is so closely related to the godly fool uh, sorry godless fool in proverbs because being a sluggard is a fundamental denial of what we were made for it's like a short circuit of the very purpose for our existing it's when we receive the energies of god's good gifts but instead of spending it for the good of others, we actually try and stop the process on ourselves, try and hold in good for ourselves. And once you do that, it is ironic, but the food that is meant to fill you with strength and life ends up just sapping you and leaving you like a self-indulgent, joyless, spiritual zombie. So two writers who have been uh, writing on the sin of sloth that I found very, very helpful. First one is Richard Niehaus. And he describes sloth as evenings without number, obliterated by television, evenings neither of entertainment nor of education, but a narcotic defense against time and duty. And uh, I must admit, uh, that definition there cuts a little close to home for me. 
Um, I don't know how many times after a long hard day you just collapse on the couch and you're not even watching, you just have it on and you're just sloth. Uh, Tony Reinke is another writer, he says, sloth is trying to preserve personal comforts through the confectionery of endless amusement. Sloth is a chronic quest for worldly comfort that compounds boredom. Boredom with God, boredom with people, boredom with life. And as I was uh, trying to reflect on this, uh, I thought, doesn't this actually describe really well why seeking to bring the gospel to our friends and neighbours, our society, can be so hard? Uh, I certainly in Sydney, and I know you guys here in Orange, uh, we all live under a haze of such affluent materialism, don't we? Um, and that creates just this environment where caring enough about anything to do something has become one of the things that makes people most resistant to God's claim on their lives, isn't it? Um, here are some lyrics from a popular song. This is 2010, uh, The Lazy Song from Bruno Mars. So teenagers, if you're not familiar with Bruno Mars' Lazy Song, you need to get familiar with it because it's a classic. And I think it pretty much describes teenage attitudes. Um, today, I don't feel like doing anything. I just want to stay on my bed. Don't feel like picking up the phone. So leave a message at the tone because today I don't feel like doing anything, nothing at all. Uh, or what about this meme about selfie culture that I found? I think this is one of my favourites. Uh, you can see there, the text reads, Never before has a generation so diligently documented themselves accomplishing so little. <laughs> now, it, it's funny, but Proverbs is telling us it's also a serious spiritual battle. Because at the end of the day, whether you reject God deliberately in hostility or simply because you just couldn't be bothered, the bottom line is if you reject God, you are headed for eternity without him in hell. And so we need to be wise, and as God's people, we need to keep on exposing just that self-defeating stupidity of sloth that Proverbs 19.24 gives us. And ask God to open people's eyes and energize them towards Him. Because at the end of the day, only He can do it. So I want immediately you to think about who in your life needs your prayers like this. Is there someone who is just numb to their need for God. Now, why don't you write down their names and again commit to praying regularly for them because at the end of the day only God can give them eyes to see him and energy to turn towards him. Uh, but as you keep looking at Proverbs 19.24 and this sluggard here, maybe you realize like I do, it's not just them out there, it's me too. Right? How often do I see opportunities to serve others or do something for God that's a little out of my comfort zone but then my heart just goes, nah, oh, no, just, just sit there with your hand in the bowl. Like it's, it's, it's in us, isn't it? We've got to fight it too. Uh, and the thing I found is that when God challenges you to do something outside your comfort zone for him, when you actually make that decision to take it on, it always ends up being worth it, doesn't it? So I wonder, has he put an opportunity like that before you now? To go outside your comfort zone it might take a little bit of an effort, but he's asking you, will you do this and give your energies to my service? And so again, will you pray and keep asking God to challenge you in that way 
and help you to stay energetic in his service. I mean, think forward really, uh, and again, here is wisdom's perspective. Think forward to the end of your life as you catalogue the things that you have invested your time and energies in. You know, binge watching, phone flicking, the things that are truly important. What will you have invested your best energies into? Uh, our culture is a tide of comforts that constantly sweeps us towards sloth. And so as God's people, we've got to swim hard against it so that we don't get carried along with it. Okay, two quick notes before I move on. First, I want to make a distinction between sloth and laziness. I know I've just used Bruno Mars as an example, but I actually think there's a, a little bit of a difference which is really important to hold, and I'll explain why a little bit later. But I think laziness is essentially intentionally deliberate inactivity. Okay, There's stuff to do there, but you deliberately say to yourself, nah, I'm not going to do it. And... Um, I think that can actually be a good thing in the right context. And again, I'll get to why uh, I think in the next point, but I just want to set up the definition now. So laziness is, is intentional, deliberate inactivity. Sloth is never right because sloth is spiritual apathy. Okay, So sloth is a failure of your heart to love enough to do the good you should. Okay, so laziness, just deliberate inactivity. Sloth is failure to love enough to do good. Okay, second, I'm also very aware that uh, mental illness in particular is a real consequence of life in a fallen world and it can make this issue very complex and very guilt-inducing. And so if you're hearing this and your response is, I know I should have energy to love and serve. I know there's lots of good to do, but I just don't have it. All right. it. It may be that you just need a rebuke, but it may also very well be that there are real psychological or physiological, whatever, factors that actually prevent you from being able to give your energies the way you want. And I think if you know or suspect that's you, then we want to say, Please don't feel guilty about that at all. That's, that's, not, that's not you, that's an illness. But it's important that you do talk to someone, whether it's uh, one of the staff or a health professional that you trust, uh, because at the end of the day, we all need help, don't we, from time to time? There's no shame in that at all. And so if that's you, I'm sure there are lots of people here who would love, you, uh, love to help you um, to be able to live for God as you want. Okay, so sloth is not, not the quite same thing as laziness and mental health in particular can complicate this issue. Um, so just bear that in mind. And the reason I want you to bear that in mind is because I now want to press on this seriousness of sloth. So sloth, secondly, is deadly idolatry. You see, Proverbs 19.24 has much more to say to us. So through it, God wants us to be deeply wise about how and why Sloth, the sluggard, is so dangerous. Now, if you read through Proverbs, there's lots of Proverbs about the sluggard, but the focus of this particular one is food. And I think it's helpful to think about this proverb in its ancient context when it was originally given. That is, in the ancient world, the only people who could 
sit around, hand in bowl like this, were the very rich. Only they could live lives of excess like this. And so this proverb ties sloth to gluttony and greed. So maybe the reason he's too lazy to lift his hand back to his mouth is because he's already stuffed himself so silly. And in fact, this links the sluggard to a sin that cuts to our very core. So in the New Testament, in Philippians 3.19, Paul describes those who oppose God in these words. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. See, that is the sluggard of Proverbs 19.24. In the end, he is an idolater. He may not specifically worship a statue, but that's not ultimately what idolatry is. So idolatry is essentially desiring to find in created things the satisfaction for our souls only the Creator can give. Idolatry is trying to find in created things the satisfaction for our souls only the Creator can give. Uh, the American pastor Tim Keller I think puts it really well when he says idolatry is when you turn a good thing into an ultimate thing. Here's how he expands. He says, an idol is anything more important to you than God, anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God, anything you seek to give you what only God can give. An idol is whatever you look at and say in your heart of hearts, if I have that, then I'll feel my life has meaning then I'll know I have value, then I'll feel significant and secure, and if I lose it, life would feel hardly worth living. And you see, the reason why idolatry like this is so deadly is it because it makes you let go of God as your true and ultimate prize and invest your heart and your hopes in something lesser that cannot save you. But if you let go of the God who gives life, then you're actually letting go of life itself and everything else unravels. And this is the tragic picture we see played out in Proverbs 19.24. Uh, here's a little summary of what's going on in this proverb. I think what we see is a man who is so devoted to his appetite to consume that his appetite has consumed him. Now, food. Uh, this may not be the particular danger for you. Although, actually, when I think about how food and drink obsessed our culture has become, it's actually more likely than we may think. In fact, uh, when you think about it, we are connected somewhat by the idolatry of food, are we not? Newtown, foodie capital. Orange, foodie capital. Right? <laughs> and you think about some of the language that people are starting to use about food. Uh, you may watch MasterChef, for example, and <laughs> blessings on you. <laughs> but if, if in a moment of weakness, you may have flicked on, then I, I don't know how many contestants will, usually weeping, say something like, food is my life. Yeah, there is an obsession with food and what goes into our stomachs that actually matches with what's going on in Proverbs 19.24. Uh, and, and for us as well, again, it may not be specifically food, but what about other forms of consumption? Yeah, as a hard day finishes, 
Does your mind automatically anticipate and long for that glass of wine or that beer or two or more? It's actually a real danger for us, isn't it? But even if food and drink is not your idolatry, uh, we've got to remember that idolatry continues to keep on pressing itself on us. And so I want to think, I want you to think about Keller's description again and, and have an honest think. What is that appetite that for you could turn a good thing into an ultimate thing and pull you off course from God? Is it your desire in our uncertain word, world for financial security? Is it for travel or experiences that you feel you must have? Is it for a partner for life or some form of sexual gratification? Even here in our life at church together, is it your desire to be affirmed as someone of importance and consequence in this fellowship? Now, again, used wisely, used in line with God's will, all these appetites are good things. But you give them a place in your heart and hopes and resources that only God deserves and only He can fill, and they will become twisted into idols that destroy you and those around you. So Proverbs 19.24 says, Guard against idolatry guard and watch your appetites. Keep fighting and wrestling to keep your heart desire towards God and not towards created things. But how do we do that? How do we fight sloth and spiritual apathy towards God? Uh, it may seem surprising, but I guess a little bit like last talk as well. The answer is not just try harder, uh, because if you do try and fight sloth with just more effort, uh, I think you actually end up on the flip side of sloth, which is workaholism. Or, if you want to put it this way, if sloth is lazy apathy, uh, workaholism, I think is the flip side, is busy apathy. So Tony Reinke, who I quoted earlier, he describes uh, this one, and I'm sorry I didn't get the quote on the PowerPoint, um, but think about whether or not this describes something of your life. A full schedule, endured in a spiritual haze, begrudging interruptions, resenting needy people, and still driven by a craving for the next comfort. Right, it's getting so caught up in activity and busyness and accomplishment that it actually ends up masking the fact I have no energy left for real, costly, loving engagement with family, friends, those in need, and God. Uh, I don't know if you've ever come across someone who, no matter how much time you have with them, is just so preoccupied and busy, you never actually feel like they're really there hard, isn't it? Now I wonder also, have you been that person? So again, we've, we've got to watch out for sloth and that anti-sloth that's really sloth still, where we're just so caught up with activity, we just have no real energy for people. So if the answer to sloth is not busyness, then what is it? Well, um, what I'm going to try and show you, particularly next talk, is that actually the arrangement of the Proverbs isn't as random as it might first seem. But let me introduce it to you now. And here is my mic drop moment. Because uh, we've just read Proverbs 19.24. 
Go back one verse to Proverbs 19.23. There it says, The fear of the Lord leads to life, then one rests content, untouched by trouble. So you see the, the beautiful way Proverbs puts these two together. Two people on a couch. One resting content, untouched by trouble. One slothful and zombie-like. And it says the antidote, antidote to sloth is not work harder, although that may be part of it, but the real antidote to sloth is rest. Because the real danger and tragedy of sloth is that it's a distortion of the truth that we have been made to need and to want rest. We are created beings. We can't go on endlessly. Only God can. We, his creatures, are designed to have to stop and be filled by him. Uh, Christopher Ash, the Christian author, has written an excellent book about living for God, uh, which is called Zeal Without Burnout. Uh, doesn't that title just sound so appealing? Zeal Without Burnout. Oh, amazing. And uh, uh, not only is the title alone worth the book, the chapter titles alone are worth buying the book, and the book itself is worth buying the book for. Uh, but I think the chapter titles give us actually an excellent description of rest and why we need it. So let me just read them for you and, and let them kind of percolate as you think about the, the pace and rhythm of your life. Number one, we need sleep and God doesn't. Number two, we need rest and God doesn't. Number three, we need friends and God doesn't. Now, when I hear this one, I must admit, I do sometimes think, you know, it's not like God's going, I don't have any friends. You know what? I don't need them either, right? That's not what it means. Now, what it's saying is uh, we are limited in our resources. We need the support and the strength and the encouragement of others. But God is self-sustaining, so he doesn't need friends like we need friends. Number four, we need nourishment and God doesn't. Then awarding, beware celebrity, that is a desire to make yourself the centre of things. And encouragement, it's worth it. And then finally, a delight, rejoice in grace, not gifts. And by gifts, I think Christopher Ash means those things in us that are abilities and, um, you know, uh, strengths that we can actually use. So he's saying, no, rejoice in grace that God gives us, not the things that we can do. But can you see here how Proverbs 19.23 and 19.24 set up rest and sloth and then invite us to reflect deeply on how you distinguish between the two. And I think the key difference is whether or not the pleasure and energy you get from the gift turns you towards God and strengthens you in his grace and goodness or again turns you inward and saps your joy and the joy of those around you. Rest strengthens you to give yourself to others. Sloth prevents you from giving yourself to others. Does that make sense? All right. Now, um, as I tried to raise earlier, this is why I think there is a distinction between laziness and sloth. Um, and there's a very fine line between the two. When does rest actually slide over into being a sluggard? Or if I can put it another way, how much is it right to enjoy a created thing before it becomes an idol? Like how much should we invest in worldly things? Um, how much should we give time to leisure and that sort of stuff? It can be very hard to answer, can't it? 
And um, hmm, uh, I'm aware of the time at the moment. Let me, I'm, I'm just going to skip ahead. Let me give you an example um, that kind of fleshes out, I think, when, when something for me flipped over into the other. So uh, a few years ago, probably about five years ago, um, I, I got chicken pox. And, uh, and I tell you what, I have never been so sick in my life. And I feel like a bit of a, a wuss bag saying this, you know, it's just chicken pox. But you probably know how serious chicken pox as an adult is. Um, and uh, I tell you, what, it took me months to recover. Uh, the pain was just unbelievable. And the, the scabs, which were just everywhere, inside and out, uh, just meant I had to lie in bed as still as I could. There was one point I remember with the fevers and the headaches and the pain and everything, I, I, I said to myself, I think I may die at this point. And you know what? I kind of wouldn't mind. Like it was that bad. It's crazy, isn't it? But it was that bad. Anyway, uh, one thing that really helped me was actually downloading a little mobile phone game. And there was a bit of nostalgia there, you know, something I'd grown up with. And um, it was great. You know, it, it just took my mind off the pain and gave me a little bit of relief enough to get to sleep. And I can honestly say that was a wonderful gift of God that that leisure actually brought me rest. But then after I recovered, um, I kept playing the game and it actually ended up, I, I got addicted to it. And so what I noticed was uh, I would stay up late playing, so it cut into my sleep. Um, it took my attention off my responsibilities and my family. Even when I was, wasn't playing it specifically, I'd be thinking about it. And it really started to impinge on how much energy I had then to give to my family, my friends, even to God. I got tired and irritable and lethargic. And then um, I tried to limit it, but it just kept on creeping up again. And so the only solution in the end was to actually delete it completely. And can you see how something that was good and provided rest, that I took it and turned it into an idol that consumed me and prevented me from giving my energies to others? See how that works? And so uh, this is what Proverbs 19, 23, 24 does for us. It sets up rest, sloth, the things that we enjoy about creation, the things that we invest in, and says, are you using them for rest? Are you using them for sloth? Will you be wise? So I, I hope that gives you a, a little example of the, a way that you could actually examine your own heart and the things that you do, the things that you enjoy, to examine yourself across all the complexities of your life to stay on course and find true rest in God. So let me uh, draw things together, gaining wisdom from the sluggard. Uh, I hope you've seen that there's a lot we can learn and be challenged from uh, by this proverb, but we'd actually miss the point if we left the proverb there at us and what we're meant to do. And so what I want to do uh, as we finish is to remember again that Proverbs is more than just good advice for how to live well. Proverbs is about revealing God's saving wisdom to us. And Proverbs 19.24 does it, I think, in a really striking way. You see, by giving us this repulsive image of a man turned against his own nature and purpose, 
the proverb should also draw our gaze to another man whose hand is not held out in self-centered sloth but in self-giving saving service so proverbs gets us to see in the sluggard a sort of an anti-image of the Lord Jesus and the one who actually gives us the rest that Proverbs 19.23 promises. So come across with me to the New Testament and we'll see it there very quickly in the book of Matthew. So Matthew 11.28 to 30. And uh, hear these wonderful words from Jesus and just, just hear the echoes of what we've seen in Proverbs this morning. Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 to 30. And Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Beautiful verses, aren't they? For those of us who find ourselves harried and crushed by an over-busy world and tempted to be a sluggard all the time. So brothers and sisters, will you do that? Will you find rest in the love of Jesus for you? And then having found rest in Him, reach out with all your energy in love for Him. That's wisdom. Let's pray. Uh, Father, it is so ironic and yet so easy for us in our rich and affluent and pleasurable contexts to take the wonderful gifts you have given us, to receive their energies and be filled by them, and then let them terminate on us and destroy us. So please give us wisdom not to do that, to know that you give us these things for rest, and most of all, the Lord Jesus gives us that rest we truly need. So help us to use the things of this world to energize ourselves in your service so that our whole lives might be spent for that wonderful task of serving and glorifying the Lord who served us. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.